Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. We're pleased to have with us today attorney Al Goldberger, a partner from the law firm of Brown, Moskowitz, and Callen PC in Melbourne, New Jersey. Al is a national authority on sports law and sports officiating and is frequently retained by insurance carriers and claims administrators in these areas. He is also the author of Sports Officiating, A Legal Guide, the recognized leading authority for game officials, and he has co-authored Sport, Physical Activity, and the Law, which is a college textbook. He's a frequent speaker at national conferences on sports officiating and risk management, and we're pleased to have you with us today, Al. Thanks, John. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Today's topic is on the recent studies and focus on concussions in athletics and how this can impact the insurance industry. And Al, starting off, why is this topic at the forefront at both the scholastic and the pro levels today? Well, John, there was a story in the New York Times recounting 14 deaths and at least 40 seriously injured football players in a single football season among college and high school players. The headline was, Cases of Concussion of the Brain Increase. The date of that New York Times article is November 20, 1910. So we see that concussion in sports is nothing new. Widely publicized studies emanating from the medical community reflect that many of the severe brain injury situations are traceable to student-athletes being allowed to return to play prematurely before their injuries have healed. So the media focus we have combined with the increasing amount of, of medical data point to some solutions that we in the sports industry are charged with implementing. Now at the high school level or the amateur athletic level, Whose responsibility is it ultimately to remove an athlete that suffers an injury? Are there any standards or consistencies in the return-to-play protocols on this? Well, John, the rules of about every sport played at the high school and youth sport levels have some pretty detailed strictures as to the removal of an injured student-athlete from a game or match. In the first instance, an injured student-athlete will often fall literally at the feet of the game official so that it's the referee or umpire who most often is first on the scene. And in most cases, it's the official who stops play, continues to observe the student-athlete, and at some point, in many cases, if the injury appears to be one that merits a stoppage of play, then the coach and the medical personnel will be summoned onto the field. So it can be either the official or the coach who removes the athlete under the rules governing concussion or the rules governing injuries generally. Of course, we know that a special emphasis has been placed on the potential for concussion injury so that all of us, game officials and coaches, are expected to be fully conversant with more than 15 signs, symptoms, and behaviors that might reflect the presence of concussion. We're doing specialized training at the officials level, and coaches in many areas are following suit. Now, as to return-to-play protocols, we are a little bit all over the lot with those. There are a number of considerations. The immediate question, uh, naturally, would be whether a, a young man or young lady who is exhibiting one or more of the symptoms of a concussion can come back in the same game or the same match after being taken out. And the answer to this question depends on local regulation and practices. Typically, the regulation will be that of the state high school governing body here in New Jersey. A student athlete, for example, who is removed because he or she exhibits a sign, symptom, or behavior consistent with concussion cannot return to play that same day under any circumstances. And we have a similar 
rule in the state of California, for example. The high school rules are basically that a student-athlete can come out of a game because of signs, symptoms, or behaviors, but may return to play that day after being cleared by an appropriate health care professional. An appropriate health care professional is another one of those terms of art that we deal with sometimes in the law, and, and the designation of that particular individual is left to the various state governing bodies, such as here in New Jersey, the NJSIAA, and in some cases and in some areas, it's left to the individual schools or school district. Now, once the sun sets on a game, different story. Now it's incumbent upon the school in consultation with the parents to make sure that the child is evaluated to determine if, in fact, he or she did suffer a concussion. And thereafter, we have a number of protocols for arresting the injury sufficient that medical personnel who were trained in this type of injury would deem it safe for the athlete to return to play. And the, the estimates of the period of time are generally measured in days and not in hours. Now, you mentioned California and New Jersey. Uh, where does this issue stand on both state and federal levels? And do you foresee the enforcement of policies, rules, or laws with some sort of standards on the line? Well, I think the standards right now are primarily set, as I said, by state governing bodies, which may or may not be state agencies and governmental units. In most cases, they are not. Uh, they are organizations uh, organized and participated in by the school districts involved. Now, we are seeing state legislation, John, enacted in a number of places. There is federal legislation pending, but what we really need to realize in the legal and insurance industries is that it's difficult, as we see, for legislation to mandate a specific protocol to give guidance to the on-field personnel. At least that's been our experience in so far, and that legislation typically provides for studies and plans to be implemented, but usually does not drill down to the exact details of how a situation may be handled during a game or a practice. So that is another thing that we have to say at this point is a work in progress. Okay, and what are the legal and liability implications of not educating coaches, administrators, and game officials in the mechanics of policy implementation? Does someone overall need to govern or oversee the organizations that formulate these policies? Well, John, I think it's fair to say that the legal and liability implications of not educating our coaches and game officials and administrators are legion. We know that catastrophic injuries and, and even fatalities occur in sports at all levels. Those injuries that are arguably preventable by the exercise of reasonable care, particularly at the lower levels of play, have been and will continue to be litigated, notwithstanding the number of statutory immunity scenarios we have in, in this country. Those who work with student-athletes, such as referees and coaches, are chargeable when they subject a student-athlete to an unreasonable risk. So that particularly in the area of injury management, we spend a lot of time in our office with something called injury mechanics for officials and risk management techniques for handling the situation any time a student-athlete goes down. That potential liability of a situation obviously increases exponentially when we're dealing with the prospect of traumatic brain injury. So declaration of the rules makers in, in all of these sports to the effect that officials and coaches need to recognize signs, symptoms, and behaviors of concussion should be enough to make anyone involved in these programs step up and get their risk management house in order. Are there alternative first-party coverage scenarios for the student-athlete now? 
I'm aware that at least one major carrier has designed a first-party coverage. This includes partnering with a medical device provider with a view toward implementing baseline testing on student-athletes at the beginning of the sports season. Is baseline testing a viable strategy for all levels, and would this be supported by the insurance industry? Well, I think, John, that we have reason to believe, based on the, uh, the data that we have, that a baseline testing uh, protocol may be supported industry-wide by the carriers, assuming that its efficacy is demonstrated uh, to the satisfaction of the medical community. One of the things that the medical people are looking at is the difficulty of pinpointing an injury that you can't see. So with it all, we've come a long way from the original rule situation where initially we had a required removal of an athlete who was unconscious. And then a number of years ago, that changed that we had the required removal of an athlete who was deemed to be unconscious or apparently unconscious. And those student athletes were not permitted to return without the written approval of a physician. And we went from that uh, about 10 or 11 months ago to this revised rule removing a player who exhibits any one or more of the signs, symptoms, and behaviors consistent with concussion. And now how do you see this playing out in the near future? Is there some sort of a timeline here for matters to be resolved? John, I don't know of any timeline. Uh, I think the nature of the beast here is that the medical research, of course, is an ongoing process, uh, as is the development of appropriate protocols and the uh, high muddy waters of defining the limits of responsibility on the part of the officials versus the coaches versus the administrators versus the medical personnel. We have a big cast of characters here. Undoubtedly, there's going to be significant litigation ensuing from this area. Undoubtedly, there's going to be more significant legislation and administrative rules that define procedures. With it all, at the end of the day, the officials, the coaches, and everyone working in the sports industry from youth on up to the pros has good reason to be on heightened alert to prevent a concussive injury from being exacerbated. Al, thanks so much for joining us today. Another great job. My pleasure, John. That was Al Goldberger from the law firm of Brown, Moskowitz, and Callen, PC in Milburn, New Jersey. Special thanks today to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. And if you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year 
year-long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about BEST's directory of recommended insurance attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 